Welcome to Season 2 of There Are Good Things Here, the podcast where you listen in as Katie Hubbard talks to God about life in the year that it got upended by her first cancer diagnosis. I hope you'll find grace in her honest, hard, and hopeful words. I'm your host, Norman Hubbard, and I just want you to hold on to Jesus like Katie did. It won't be easy or perfect, but it will be worth it. Let's drop back in on Katie's blog updates during this time of her uh, cancer journey through her, I guess we're now about to hit her third round of chemotherapy after her first diagnosis with breast cancer. She was blogging more on Caring Bridge than writing in her journal. So we're going to pick up May 22nd, 2009. This is actually my entry, and then we'll read one of Katie's uh, shortly after that. So two blog post entries for this podcast. And again, this is for me. I remember a commercial I used to watch on TV as a kid, an ad for the Army. People were jumping out of helicopters, running through waist-high water, and pulling tanks out of ravines with their teeth. We do more before 8 o'clock in the morning, the ad would conclude, than most people do all day. Katie has never been in the Army, but she does more before chemotherapy on Friday than most people do all day. She actually slept in this morning until 7.30, since the kids got out of school yesterday and were sleeping in too. By the time I joined her at the breakfast table, though, she had already eaten breakfast and formulated a plan. There were two yard sales in our neighborhood advertising kids' toys, and she wanted to hit them both. I got a call sometime after she left, asking whether we should purchase a green turtle sandbox, just like the one we used to have, for $5. How could we pass up an investment like that, I asked myself. We'll probably get $5 out of it when we're ready to sell. Sticking it to the man, I thought. And so I said, yes. 30 minutes later, Katie was back home with our new used sandbox, Tonka trucks for Joseph, a wicker basket for stuffed animals, butterfly coat hooks for the girls, and a feathery soft sword for hitting the kids every time they use the word like in a conversation. You know, like, it's become like a problem. By the way, uh, our children affectionately began referring to that sword as the like beater. And yes, our children still need it, and so do yours. I go on to say, within 20, with 25 minutes to spare before leaving for the hospital, I zoomed off to the local hardware store to buy play sand for the new turtle sandbox. It's not often in life that you buy sand for a new green turtle, or a red crab sandbox. This is only my second and maybe my last time. Alas, I repeated a mistake I made the first time around 10 years ago. I arrived at the store with no idea how much sand to buy to fill the sandbox. I remembered aiming low my last time around. I only bought one bag of sand. We were poor and I was naturally miserly, or I am naturally miserly. I was actually shocked that you had to buy sand at all. Shouldn't sand be given away? I mean, I've been to the beach and I know there's plenty. I'm confident the same people who charge you for sand 
are also charging you for air at the gas station. Imagine selling air. Nevertheless, I only had one chance to buy sand this morning, and so I bought four bags. I was delighted to find that four is the magic number for the green turtle. By the time I returned home, Katie was finishing her recitation of the scroll of obligations to our children. She knew that she needed to be clear and firm since they were facing their first day home from school without mom. Thankfully, our very capable friend and co-worker, Katie Haas, was watching them. In a lot of ways, arriving at the hospital was a break, albeit a temporary one. At least Katie got to sit down in the waiting room before she was called back to have her vitals checked. Oddly enough, the nurse must have been looking at me when she typed in Katie's weight because she entered 90 kilograms instead of 60 kilograms. For those of you who can't do metric conversions on the fly, 90 kilograms is a little over 190 pounds, or 8 bags of play sand. When Dapper Roland, uh, Dr. Roland, saw that number, he winced and said, that can't be right. He was right. It was a typo. Some people do gain weight while undergoing chemotherapy, but Katie hasn't. In fact, she lost some weight initially and has been holding steady. Dr. Roland, whose crisp blue Oxford contained more starch than 90 kilograms of potatoes, was keen and was a keen observer and as careful as ever. He asked Katie about her heart palpitations and ordered up an EKG, a lab draw, and Holter monitor just to be sure there was nothing going on behind the scenes with her heart. I tried to assure Dapper Roland that her heart condition arose from seeing me shirtless every night, 90 kilograms of bronze and brawn, but he felt the tests were advisable anyway. I can't believe I wrote that publicly. This all delayed Katie's progress to the chemotherapy area, but we feel good about having her heart checked out right now. When she finally settled into her room, a very nice nurse named Michelle set her up with an IV. If we fail to report the details of the IV, here's how the four-hour course of treatment goes. Number one, they begin Katie on a big bag of saline solution and concurrently drip two anti-nausea medicines into her. When the anti-nausea meds are completed, they drip in an anti-anxiety medicine. This enables her to sit in a small room with me for hours. Number three, about halfway through the bag of saline, the nurse comes in manually to inject two syringes of adriamycin, the first of the chemo drugs. Katie has to eat ice chips during this time to keep a bad taste out of her mouth. When the adriamycin is done, they hook up a bag of cytoxin, which is the other cancer drug which drips concurrently with the saline solution pretty much until the infusion is finished. While all of this is going on, I scrounge around the Carl Cancer Center looking for food. Today was unlike the previous two visits to the hospital because our good friend Kathy brought Tom, Kayla, and Rachel to check on Mom. They all enjoyed seeing Katie, observing the infusion process, and pillaging the cancer wing for snack food with Dad. 
Rachel, our eight-year-old, actually crawled in bed with Katie and stayed there for the rest of the treatment, about two hours. Katie felt that Tom, Kayla, and Rachel's visit really brightened the day and made this third of four rounds go very quickly. Before we knew it, the saline bag was empty, the IV machine was beeping, and a nurse came in to unhook Katie from the high-tech drip system. As we walked out of the cancer center, I noticed how the proceedings of the day bled Katie of color. Though she received enough supporting medicines to revise uh, (laughs) King Tut, her body takes quite a beating with each infusion. She has felt more nauseated and fatigued in the aftermath of this third one. We were able to have dinner with our friends, the Cahees. Kathy was the friend who brought our kids that day, by the way. Uh, who are watching our oldest children tonight, but I can tell that Katie feels worse than she's felt in the previous weeks. Even so, you would be amazed at her spirit and grace. She puts the needs of our children above her own and does more work in a day than a cancer patient should have to do in a week. I am blessed to have Katie as a wife. We are blessed to have Jesus as our Lord, one who was tempted in that which he has suffered, so that he is able to come to the aid of those who are tempted in their suffering. Hebrews 2, verse 18. By the way, that's, uh, I'm, I'm adding a little bit. I think that the way that we should be reading Hebrews two eighteen is that Jesus was tempted in his suffering, so that he's able to come to the aid of those who were tempted, and I add, in their suffering, because I think that's what the writer intended us to understand. We are blessed to have God as a Father, one who causes all things to work together for the good of those who love Him and are called according to His purposes, Romans 8.28. And we are blessed to have you as friends, for you help us by your prayers, gifts, and acts of service. The days ahead are going to be hard for Katie. Please remember her and the children in your prayers, in your prayers, My parents arrive on Tuesday, just about the time that Katie suffers worse from from nausea and fatigue. In the meantime, she'll be under the care of a husband who's coming down with a cold. Now, as ever, your prayers are welcome. And to that end, I leave you with this passage from Scripture from 2 Corinthians 1, 8-11, excerpted. For we do not want you to be unaware, brothers, of our affliction that we were burdened excessively beyond our strength, so that we despaired even of life. Indeed, we had the sentence of death within ourselves, so that we would not trust in ourselves, but in God who raises the dead, he on whom we have set our hope, and he will yet deliver us, you also joining and helping us through your prayers. And let me say before I read Katie's entry from May 24th, Uh, I think I heard a number of times as I was coming through life that God will never, never give us more than we can handle. And I want you to know that is not true. God will regularly give us more than we can handle in our own strength. And that's what 2 Corinthians 1, 8 and following is showing. Paul is saying we were burdened beyond our strength so that we despaired even of life. God will give you more than you can handle. Don't trust anyone who tells you otherwise. 
but he will not give you more than you can handle with his grace. He excessively burdens us at times so that we will look to him, so that we won't grow comfortable walking through this fallen world with our own strength and our own wisdom as our only resources. He wants his people to look to him, to depend on him. And for that matter, he wants those who do not believe in him and who do not trust in him to have regular opportunities to turn away from the crushing burden that they're under and say, God save me. He will always give you more than you can handle, but he will not give you more than you can handle by his grace. Okay, I'm done preaching. Now on to Katie's entry, May 24th, 2009. She writes, it's time for my early Sunday morning post-chemo update. I didn't write a journal entry last week because it was a difficult week and I didn't know what to say. I sat down once to write, but what I wrote sounded like such a litany of complaints that I deleted it. I did so because it's very difficult to answer the question, how are you feeling? For me right now, that is a loaded question. I want so much to be able to say I'm feeling a lot better or really good or even just fine, but all of those words would be untruths. It is also hard to keep replying in the negative for so many months. Chemo side effects are so varied, it's rarely as simple as saying, I feel tired, and some effects seem more unmentionable than others. Then there is the part of me that thinks, wouldn't it be nice if we all had our own Caring Bridge page? We could just update each other all the time, get each other to pray and be built up. That is what this site has done for me, and it is such a privilege to have. So then, like any good woman, I feel guilty about it. A couple of factors converged to make the past week difficult. My folks left, and we have a week and a half stretch here where we're on our own. We're not really on our own because we're surrounded by wonderfully helpful people. The reason that quote-unquote on our own challenges me so much comes down to one word, Joseph. It's not as if I am tired and worn out and feeling yucky all the time. It comes and goes. I feel well enough to get up and do things, but then I need to sit down. Except during nap time, an 18-month-old toddler boy does not do sit-down. Hence the sandbox purchase, our toddler toy. Hence the sandbox purchase, because our toddler toys were all discarded in our move to Illinois. I'm trying to remember what toddlers like to do besides throwing things. Joseph seems to have a particular affinity for anything sharp and dangerous, or whatever it is his older siblings are doing, like scootering, riding bikes, shooting at 10-foot basketball hoops, and other such untoddler-friendly activities. This week, Joseph decided to pull out all of the stops for 18-month-old boy behavior. Let's just say he is in a high discipline and training time. Since I don't know when my fatigue is going to hit, it's difficult to plan my day and how to handle him. Lest I sound too woeful, I've had several people come and take him to do active things with him. The good news is, this week has shown me that I am not being excessively wimpy by all of the help that I have lined up. 
On Tuesday, Norman's folks arrive, and then we have help until the end of chemo. Thank the Lord. I've also been assured that the effects of chemo are cumulative, which I started to see this week. I had less energy and felt worse than I did the second week after my first treatment. Last week, I was also very emotional. I think that it was fatigue and Joseph-induced emotion, and tears came very easily. When I went to the cancer center on Thursday for my blood work, it was the first time I was there since losing my hair. That was surprisingly hard for me because for the first time, I felt like a cancer patient. Are you impressed at my power of denial? After all, I have been a cancer patient since January, and it was the end of May that she was writing this entry. The good news is that as I proceed with treatment number three, I am able then to say, just one more time. When I went to the infusion suite on Friday, when I came out, I could say to myself, only one more trip there. Sorry. I get a sick feeling in my stomach just thinking about going in there. When I got my shot yesterday, I could say, only one more shot. And as I contemplate descending back into the abyss this week, after that is over, I can say, only one more time. In the meantime, it is territory that I still must traverse. Finally, I will conclude with a humorous, forgetful chemo moment. Yesterday, Norman and Joseph and I went and ran errands. Several times before we left, I went to refill the diapers in the diaper bag. However, I am so excessively forgetful that I keep forgetting what it is that I'm supposed to be doing. I managed to remember to put one diaper in, but the second diaper required another trip up the stairs, and apparently I forgot to make that fateful trip. And this particular errand running time turned into a two-diaper change trip. The big problem then was diaper change number two, and it was literally a great big number two. As I am in the process of changing that diaper, in the car, of course, and no, it wasn't moving, I realized that I never put said diaper number two in the diaper bag. So we strap our diaperless toddler in the car seat, say a prayer, and proceed to get hung up at Farm and Fleet for 30 minutes in the loading zone. Needless to say, by the time we got home, the car seat was flooded. Of course, Norman didn't realize just how flooded until he went to remove the seat from the van in order to clean it. A nice big stream of, well, water poured out all over his feet. So, sometimes the consequences of being forgetful are more dire than others, and sometimes more humorous. Blessings to you all, Katie. Thanks for joining me again for this episode of There Are Good Things Here, and look forward to talking to you again soon. Mm-hmm.